Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Visibility is a critical factor for, for all businesses, whether it's advertising um, in, in all sorts of medium, social media and otherwise. We want people to see us and know us. But how do you do it? What's most effective for your business? How should you be thinking about gaining that visibility? One under known, under understood, and probably underused medium is PRs. We're going to learn about PRs, how to use them successfully, and a great resource for you all to have. This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Thank you for being here. And thank you to C-Suite Radio for allowing us your platform and distribution for more people to hear. Today's guest is the founder and president of e-releases, the small business leader for press release distribution. Celebrating 22 years in business, he is an expert in helping small businesses increase their visibility and credibility. And he's here today to sell, to share his valuable insights. Mickey Kennedy, thanks for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So I always like to learn a little bit about your personal journey. You know, how did you, what led you to starting e-releases? Where did the entrepreneurial journey start for you? So uh, I was in graduate school about 25 years ago in Northern Virginia, and I uh, ended up getting a degree, an MFA in creative writing with an emphasis in poetry. I just assumed I'd be spending uh, the rest of my life waiting tables, uh, but I, I, I was doing that while I was in graduate school, and it became very clear that, you know, standing on your feet eight to 10 hours a day, uh, when you get home, your mind is fried, and I couldn't write poetry, and I felt like I need an office job, so I applied and got a position at a telecom startup. I was employee number three or four. Uh, I think there was two of us that started around the same time. And uh, one of the things that I did there in addition to sales and marketing was PR. Uh, we would write releases and we would fax them out. And so we got a brand new fax machine that held a hundred numbers. So I would program it with a hundred numbers, hit send. It would take almost all day to complete the send and it was very loud. And then I'd have to delete those numbers and put another 80 or 90 into it because uh, we, our media list was like 190 journalists. So um, I started getting phone calls from journalists because we were publishing telecom traffic statistics and a lot of numbers. They were just asking if I could email them the Word document so they could copy and paste some of the numbers. And um, a light bulb went off and said, email is so much simpler than faxing. <laughs> and uh, I mentioned it to my boss and he says, that's a great business idea. You should start it. And so I did take the next year in my spare time contacting journalists so that when I launched about a year later, um, I had around 10,000 journalists in my database that I would send releases to. And it was very easy, you know, 20, 23, 24 years ago, asking journalists, hey, can I send you press releases by email? And they're like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Uh, now I think that they get a lot of uh, press releases and there's a lot of databases out there, but we're still sending press releases to journalists and uh, through email. And over the years, PR Newswire reached out to us and said, hey, why don't you also send your releases through us? And I said, because you charge $1,000 to move a release. <laughs> and uh, we 
we went back and forth and found a win-win situation where we're able to include a custom national distribution over PR Newswire and still keep our prices between two to $400 for most press releases, um, largely by taking advantage of the fact that PR Newswire had an, uh, an editorial team that was available 24 hours, but they weren't doing much overnight. They were mostly there for when people had press releases they wanted to send to Asia and or emergency type press releases, but they weren't doing anything. So I was like, why don't we take our releases and you set them up overnight and I'll schedule them all for the next business day. And so by looking at that as free labor, it, it helped it make a win-win situation between the two of us. And um, like I said, it, 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 the, the 20 some years has just gone by really fast. Um, continue to provide great value to customers looking to get uh, a press release out through email as well as the uh, national distribution through PR Newswire. It's so interesting because you said a couple of things that really jumped out at me. The, the, the first one being um, your boss saying, hey, that's a good idea. You should, or that's good for a business. You should do it. What was business in your mind? Because there's a lot more, obviously, that you've learned to running a business than just having a good idea. How did that sort of all come about? Well, I, I grew up with entrepreneurs. Um, my dad was an electrician. Um, he also bought a convenience store. My mother would run the convenience store. My grandfather was a man who was always starting a new business. Um, uh, he, you know, at the time that I knew him growing up, he owned a restaurant, he owned a hotel. Um, he uh, owned a clam house where he sold, uh, he sold and bought clams. Uh, you know, he, he, he was very entrepreneurial. He also had an ice house. So he, he sold ice as well. He was always doing something. He'd lose interest in it. And then a few years later, pick up something else and, and run with that. Um, so uh, when my boss said that was a great idea, I just said, why don't I do it? And I was just thinking I could earn a little side money. And it wasn't really until, um, Y2K, well, Y2K was a big thing. And then the dot-com crash happened shortly thereafter that. And at that time, um, everybody else seemed to be uh, contracting, but uh, e-releases at the time started growing. And so that's when I took it uh, and said to myself, this could be a sustainable business. And I ended up quitting my job uh, at the telecom startup that I ended up staying at for a couple of years um, so that I could devote myself full time to it. That's awesome. And another thing that, that you mentioned is that um, it sounds like you figured out the, the solution with PR Newswire. And, and as a business owner, right, we have to adapt, but we also have to see opportunities and, and, and go with it. it. It could have been very easy for you to say, you know what, that's just not an affordable model for me. Thanks for your interest and continue doing what you're doing. But you, I guess, you know, went home and thought about it and crafted a solution. As the business has grown, is that something that just naturally you're good at? Or is that something you developed as a skill to look at different things and how it could grow into the business because starting with emailing and getting to an automated, more automated solution overnight, fixing these problems. Tell us a little bit about that scenario, because that's something a lot of business owners have in front of them, but don't necessarily take advantage of. And you did. Right. So I'm always trying to look to simplify. Um, I think so many things are complicated and difficult. And I'm always looking for what's the simplest way to solve this. Um, 
I mean, there are people that don't like in my business that they can't schedule the actual time of their press release distribution. And I could understand if you were using PR Newswire directly and spending twelve to fourteen hundred dollars with them, you would certainly want the exact time to send the release. But if you're spending two to four hundred dollars with us, uh, we work because of our processes and uh, it's just simpler to schedule them all at the same time before 9 a.m. so that they clear uh, at the newswire's discretion before 9 a.m. Eastern time. And um, so I, I, I constantly look at how can we simplify things, make things easier. I like to talk to the newswire, talk to my employees. What's the difficult things? What are the bottlenecks? What are the big problems that we have? And is there a simple solution to it? And often there is. And um, that's what I'm very good at. I'm very good at trying to find win-win situations. Um, I, I always feel like you, if you're going to partner with somebody or you know, just uh, provide a service to a customer, you've got to be able to really provide good value to them uh, as, as well as what you're getting out of it so that you know, the relationship can grow and improve. Definitely. And, and, and as this, the business developed, uh, doing things overnight, what did that do to your sleep schedule? <laughs> well, initially, it greatly reduced it. Um, <laughs> the first few years, I didn't feel comfortable hiring anyone because I just felt like, what if the business slowed down? What if I couldn't meet payroll? So I really agonized over that. And, and so when I ended up hiring someone, I probably needed to uh, have hired two at the time. But uh, uh, that, that took a long time. I, I wore a lot of uh, uh, on me personally, uh, it, 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 a, a lot of the love of the business was gone for a little while. But uh, as I hired more employees, I was able to sort of step back a little bit and start to get more involved with strategy and, uh, you know, the, the marketing of the business where I felt like, I, you know, I, I was most interested. Yeah. And, and obviously that's the role uh, of the leader of the business is, is to, to look forward to the future, to run the business Talk about that transition a little bit, because doing the work and running the business are different things. How did you adapt through that process? Um, that was the most difficult part of everything. I'm not a good employer. I'm not a good manager. Uh, I would hire people and I would just, I didn't know how to hire a good employee. So I just mostly gave people um, editing tests and the people who passed the best got the job. And what I found is they didn't stick around very long. Most of them would leave anywhere from a year to two years. And uh, I was, you know, increasing their salary and, and, and uh, very competitive and they were just leaving. And I, I, I would also get really not angry, but just disappointed in my employees because every phone conversation, I would be there listening and it's not how I would have worded it to the client. It's not how I would have positioned the company. And so I would often just walk over to the employee's desk after their phone call and give them constructive criticism. Uh, I ended up hiring a, an HR consultant. Um, she was in a, a mastermind group that I was in. She'd normally uh, works with larger clients for more money, but she, as a favor, she said she would uh, interview my staff and see if she could get at to why none of them are sticking around and none of them are doing exactly what I want them to do. And what she found is uh, my customers love the, uh, the business. They love the employees. They're having a good experience. 
it's just they're not living up to to my expectations and she said that's me and i have to own that and to quit micromanaging them and i couldn't help myself so in april of 2015 i just announced to the office that i would no longer be coming into the office at all and i i haven't come in since and i just stay home and work from home i have someone who runs the day-to-day -day operations there she's more nurturing she's very good and i don't stress about every phone call anymore being perfect because I'm not listening and I'm not, you know, uh, privy to it. I know that the important stuff is being conveyed. I know that the employees I have are good and I know that they're doing things their own way as best that they can. They're never going to have the perspective of an entrepreneur. They're never going to be thinking two to three steps ahead in every conversation uh, where saying something a certain way could uh, help increase uh, the likelihood that they'll convert or something like that. And I just have to be okay with that. And uh, the, the people that were there when I left, they're all there now. So, uh, you know, I've got people there now that's been there seven years. And uh, the, the shortest one is a, a new hire about a year and a half ago. And I think that people are going to stick around a lot longer now than I'm not micromanaging them. And, and I recognize now I'm not the right person to be around employees because it's not it doesn't gel with my personality and the way that I interact with people. That's a very interesting perspective because a lot of business owners can't do that. Um, <clears throat> do you think it was the help of the consultant that allowed you to see that to, oh, to yes. release? Um, yes. That had to be a, a fair amount of soul searching to come to that decision. It was. And uh, what, what I could do is just close the door to my office. But what I chose to do was to just go home and, and be available to my family and just have a better work-life balance. I think working from home suits me very well. I can, you know, if I want to work in the evening, uh, I can. If I want to take a morning off, I can. And I just feel a, little, a lot more liberated. I still know what's going on with the business. I still have monthly check-ins with the person who's handling the day-to-day -day operations. And uh, uh, I, I just, I just feel like for me, it's finding out what your strengths are, finding out what your weaknesses are, and either adapt, modify, or change so that uh, you know you're not letting your weaknesses or your, you know, your 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 problem areas affect other people. That's awesome. You know, it brings up a thought for me of as as business owners, um, you have to serve multiple masters or multiple clients, right? You've got your clients are the people that pay for the service. You've got your journalists and the people that you're um, sending releases to, to make sure that, that you have a relationship there. So they actually take it seriously and don't just let it go to spam. And then you've got your team that are your clients in some ways. So they stick around as well. And, and it sounds like you got a good balance, obviously, with the, the employee side, now that you made those changes and step back from the day to day. How do you um, serve both your clients and your uh, vendors that you need to um, answer, to promote, to do all of the things that that you need them to do on the PR side. How do you how do you balance that uh, from a strategic side and from a tactical side? Well, I've been very fortunate from um, the partner side with PR Newswire. Uh, we we have good lines of communication. Um, we 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 talk. Uh, we we. We, we look at what's not working from time to time and try to solve it. Um, 
I, I think that, you know, it, it's like any relationship, you want to put some time into it, you want to see, you know, what their problem areas with you are. Um, and, and maybe that's something that could be solved. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to actual clients and customers, um, that was a big journey because one of the things that we found is that um, a few years ago, around 90% of our customers never order more than one time. They order one release, they give it a try, nothing happens, and they've just cross off press releases off their list. And um, what I know and what a P any PR firm knows is one press release is not a PR campaign and that you have to try several strategic approaches and then determine uh, what worked and what didn't work and can you hone and continue to you know basically get at uh, what can make the media respond to your company and your announcement and so <clears throat> what I did was I, I went on a big education thing so the uh, customer comes in we welcome them. We send them a, uh, a little whiteboard where we have a picture that we took. And uh, we have someone who on Adobe Photoshop puts a handwritten font in there welcoming them. And uh, uh, we have to do that because I'm not in the office uh, anymore to, other than, you know, like photo days and stuff like that. So, um, and, we, and we send that to the customer welcoming them. And then we uh, give them ideas for their next release. Uh, we have someone who looks at their business, looks at their press release, um, looks at their website and tries to come up with some strategic ideas for what their next press release could be about. And uh, we send them a, a book, a little uh, welcome uh, to, to the company and all of that nurturing that we do uh, has tripled the number of people who use us more than once, uh, which has made the hugest difference in our business. And I, I, I think that even though you're an e-commerce business, there's a lot of things you can do to still try to instill a relationship with people. The phone call after the order is placed is really important. And our editors do that and talk with the customer and hold their hand, uh, providing them this sort of, you know, splash of a welcome with a, a photo that's sent to them um, early after they place the order welcoming them by name is, is, is one of those things. Um, them getting the book in the mail uh, is another thing that sort of reinforces here's something physical, here's, here, you know, here's some advice. And all of the messaging that we're sending is, hey, you're on this journey. Uh, this is your first release in a PR campaign, keep it up. And also here's some ideas for your next release. And um, I, I wish there were still more people uh, wouldn't give up after one release, but uh, we're, we're, we've moved the needle considerably among those people who are uh, committing themselves to releases and they're seeing pickup. And so uh, some people will, will often say, you know, what is an article in the New York Times worth to you? Well, it's worth a lot. Is it worth doing four or five releases and figuring out what it takes to come up with a compelling newsworthy announcement? For a lot of people, it is, um, it, you know, that could be a, a game changer for some companies. Uh, we did a release last year during the pandemic for a dining bond initiative where they were borrowing from the war bond uh, uh, initiative in the past. And it was to help local restaurants uh, by 
trading these dining bonds that can be used with them and giving them the revenue right now. And what you have is basically a gift certificate. And it's a, it's a way that people could help their local restaurant. And when that launched, it, it went viral. Um, it got over 150 media pickups. We quit counting after that, but like Wall Street Journal, CNN, uh, New York Times, um, uh, all the food magazines, uh, blogs, everybody was supporting it. It was positive news during a negative time, which the media really likes uh, to help counterbalance things that are out there. Uh, it was something that a lot of people feeling powerless empowered them to be able to do something. So it was a, a, a strong message. And again, it was one press release and it generated millions of dollars in revenue, created hundreds and hundreds of links from news sites. And these weren't uh, uh, a syndication of the press release. It wasn't like the press release was copy and pasted and put on different news sites. These were all individual articles written by someone in every publication using the content from the announcement in the press release, but it was all original content. And, you know, that's just, you know, something that's amazing and the amount of leverage you can get, um, you know, through PR and press releases for just a few hundred dollars. If you have the right messaging, it could just leapfrog. That's a perfect transition to, to totally learning more about it. We're talking with Mickey Kennedy on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. You can find more information on the company at ereleases.com. Um, I think you're a little bit lucky to have that name. Good job on that. Uh, and, and talking about press releases, you know, at its basic, what, what is a press release? I think we all have an idea, but what does that really mean? Right. So basically a press release is a announcement to the media. It's written in third person. If you have something to say in the first person, that's really compelling. You just put that in a company quote, attribute it to yourself or someone at the company. Um, it, uh, the most important aspect is the headline because on the newswire, it's the headlines that stream. And then the journalist views the headlines by their industry and they can also capture certain headlines as well, depending on certain keywords and stuff like that, but they click through to the headline to view the release. So the job of that press, uh, press release headline is to get you to click through. You want to be uh, contextual. You don't want to be using puns like the New York post or anything like that, that you want the journalist to know what the release is about in that headline. Line. Uh, then the opening uh, sentence and opening paragraph is the most important because that's what sort of is going to pull you into the release and give you the who, what, when, where, how, and why of, of your announcement and what you're sending out. A lot of the releases that we get at e-releases are very safe, standard types of press releases you see. Uh, it might be a new product or service. It could be a new hire, like a VP of HR. But I will say that a lot of those releases aren't very newsworthy. Um, maybe a, a new product is uh, a new service, but if it's just a refresh of your existing product, there's probably a lot less uh, media interested in that story, uh, especially also with new hires outside of maybe a trade publication in a local newspaper. Very few people are really interested that you've got a new person there, unless it's like an amazing uh, move where you got someone really strategic in the industry that's well known and, and you were able to get them. That's where I think you could do well with trade publications within your industry. Um, but I say, if you're going to spend the money to send a release out through a service like e-releases and pay to go over the wire, like, like we offer through PR Newswire, you want to fish with your best bait. And so I always tell people that the actual press release is not as important as to what is in the press release. And that's where um, press release strategy and being strategic is really important. 
I bet. And I'm, I'm sure there's, you know, the, the, the dining bonds, a great example, but for, for your average business owner, um, they may sit and say, you know, Mickey, this, I've heard about this, but I don't have anything particularly newsworthy. How, how do the, how do we create the day-to-day of a business owner and make it newsworthy? Is that something that can be done? And our PR it can be done very easily. Um, I just completed a, a free masterclass for my customers um, that basically goes through the strategies you can do and put in place and almost any business can do it. Um, it uh, one of the ideas is uh, data. The media loves surveys and studies. Anybody can put out a survey or study. We had a auto repair center in Pennsylvania um, want, uh, they basically wanted to get SEO benefits. So they wanted to target other uh, auto industry trade publications. So they, we came up with the idea of doing a survey. They did a survey of other auto repair places, but the problem was they didn't know any uh, outside of a couple of competitors in their town. So I suggested that they reach out to a, uh, an, a, a small uh, trade association and there's one for independent auto repair centers and they have a huge member base and just say hey we're doing a press release we're gonna be issuing it over the wire and we would love to be able to send the survey link to your members they said sure uh, and uh, they ended up co-branding the survey uh, between the the small trade association and the auto repair place but uh, got it out there to the members one of the questions that was asked and this is really important when you do a survey or study have a couple of left field questions, little strange out there, because sometimes the results can be really compelling. And, and that's what the media latches onto. In this case, they left an open field that said, what's the strangest thing someone's ever left in a car that you repaired? And uh, they got responses like a boa constrictor, a grandma in an urn. Uh, you know, there was, you know, a uh, bongs and drug paraphernalia was was a popular one but there was just a lot of little strange things um uh one person had all their christmas decorations and this was in july so they that were in the car they just used the car as storage i guess but uh that was what the media responded to and so many of the articles were top five strangest things left in the auto uh, uh, in a car at the auto repair center and uh, top 10 top 20 I think they listed 25 in the survey and the the news outlets picked and chose what would fit in their space so some of them were uh, listing the top five some were listing the top 10 they were picking and choosing the the items for strangeness it was really cool to watch that happen they ended up getting local media attention as well and their own customers came in saying oh my God, that was really crazy, that survey that you did. And that wasn't the intention. They didn't think that they were going to get any local attention. They thought it was just going to be the industry trade publications were going to pick it up, which they did. And they got a lot of links from that, but they also got links and traffic from uh, other news sources as well. It sort of, you know, went viral. And, and, and that's just an auto repair center in Pennsylvania. I can't think of anything that's any less newsworthy. Um, I, I had a local carpet company in New Jersey that did uh, a monthly release with us, despite my reservations, I told them right up front, I didn't think the PR was going to be a good fit for them. And at month five, we were talking and they started uh, telling me about their enemy, which for them was the big box home improvement stores. And they just went through how they have to market 
against uh, like Home Depot and Lowe's and how they have to educate the customer on uh, padding and how Home Depot and Lowe's uses an inferior padding, even their upgraded padding, uh, just all this stuff. And I was like, well, let's put this in a press release and send it out. And it did phenomenal. Every floor trade publication picked it up. Um, there was over 10. We didn't even realize there were that many out there, but uh, they picked it up and then they responded back to us saying, do you have more? Our customer, our subscribers are loving this. Um, you know, none of them had been talking about marketing before. We saw it as a blind spot opportunity and it worked really well. Um, it, it may not always work well. You have to test it and see. We did one for um, cybersecurity and um uh, with another client. And it turns out in his industry, they don't talk about certain subjects for reasons, uh, especially when security is concerned. But in the case of a uh, Florida trade publication, talking about marketing was something that these subscribers, uh, local carpet companies across the US were really hungry for. Two of the magazines ended up putting a marketing column in because they didn't realize that so many people were interested in marketing. And so that was a huge opportunity. That was something that a local carpet company in New Jersey was able to become the expert to position itself to talk about marketing only by sharing what they do and how they compete against the big box home improvement stores. I love that. And, and in the last few minutes, I think that's so important because the visibility and credibility of the press release versus a Facebook ad, for example, right? Different mediums, different different ways to go, but you can get, you can be seen bigger through the use of a press release versus a traditional advertising mechanism. Can you talk just briefly about why you would pick one over the other? Because most people are used to writing a check to someone to do advertising and crossing their fingers this is a different medium. Talk about the two different mediums of, of marketing from that perspective. Sure. So in the case of advertising, you're basically creating hypothesis experiments and testing it and seeing what you convert at and whether it's statistically the same that you're going to pay $500 uh, converting with this audience, with these demographics and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it, it, it takes some finessing and sometimes it works and then it stops working. Um, but it, you, it's generally a, a high cost for a lot of people. Uh, when it comes to a PR campaign, you can achieve a lot for a little amount of money. It just takes usually several press releases before you get some critical mass. That being said, uh, you can use strategy and approaches to increase your odds of getting media pickup so that maybe you only have to do two or three releases before you see some critical mass and get some real attention from it. And when you do get attention through earned media and it's an actual article that's been written about you, uh, the traffic you get from it and the customers you get from it convert way better than uh, the people who convert through advertising. When something's an ad, people's defenses are up. When someone reads, uh, say in the New York Times, an article about a, a, a Kickstarter campaign and this cool product, they just want to go and support that product. They read about it. It was almost like an implied endorsement and, and, and they have this great feeling and they go and they buy and they tend to be the most profitable and the most loyal type of customers when they come from earned media. There really is an emotional connection that happens with it that does not happen with uh, paid advertising at all. Fascinating. We could go on for hours uh, on how to use press releases, but I love the examples. And I think there were some really great um, real life stories of how mom and pop got bigger, more visible, more national. 
So thank you for sharing those. Last question for me, you know, as people are listening and thinking about, you know, what what do they do next? Like, all right, how do I actually take advantage of press releases? What is what do you counsel people on? They should go to your website, go to ereleases.com and check it out. But what's the one thing they should think about in their business to get ready to go do press releases? I think that um, I would recommend that they go to this masterclass that I mentioned earlier. Um, I created it for my customers, but I put it on the website for free for anyone. It's at ereleases.com slash plan, P-L-A-N. And it's less than an hour. Uh, it's a, a video. It's got some supporting materials. Anyone who uh, watches that will have eight solid strategies for building a, a press release. Uh as you watch the training, uh, think about your business. Think about what are some things that you could do. And the ones that stand out to you, those are the ones that you should do a press release on and then move forward. Very cool. Thanks, Mickey, for being here. And thanks for the information. Really appreciate your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.